the Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined this day after Easter by my very Easter-friendly looking host here, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, I think these are maybe a little Easter eggs on my shirt. What do you think? Yeah, it's a very, very festive, uh, very, very festive shirt. And you've got your logo behind you, illuminating your beautiful egg on top of your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's new. This is something that we've been attempting to do. We're just a work in progress. It's still a little bare. But this is my this is my studio when I speak, and so I want you know to be able to see the um, the Altium logo back there, and we've got some other lights we'll put up and, and some other little things to make it look a little warmer. But before that, we had the um, those those Monet three cathedrals of Rouen for uh, different times that of the day, and and those are gone. Well, they're still here, but we're working on it. Well, it looks quite nice. I have to ask you if you've got the Easter shirt on. How was your Easter weekend? Man, it was great had kids over. We had, you know, something for those of you who uh, haven't heard of what's called general conference. It's a two days of, of just incredible uh, meetings that we had with our church leaders. And we had so many great learnings and, and teachings and, and we had fun. I mean, my, my sons and I and their friends went for a hike. Um, and, and uh, Dr. Nielsen may even know, uh, uh, you know, um, Oh my gosh, John Steffen's son was with us. And so we, he's one of my son's friends. And so we went up into the mountains and, and we just saw, you know, just some great, some great times. And it was also relaxing with just, uh, we have a tradition. Every general conference, I make what are called Eierflinsen. These are German crepes. And I, I started that 38 years ago, Christian. And, You're eating thirty-eight-year-old uh, crepes. Yes, exactly. The, the The tradition started thirty-eight years ago, and uh, they're very, very good. We put cream cheese and whipped cream in the middle, and then like a, a raspberry compote on top, and then some of them have Nutella with bananas in it, and so good. Oh, How about you? Delicious. What was your What was yours like? Well, ours was pretty relaxing. On Saturday, we stayed here. We watched the conference, uh, like you. On Sunday, we decided to hop into the car. We drove to Pocatello. Idaho and we listened to it in the car on the way there and then on the way back and it was really really nice we really really enjoyed it it was awesome that's great Pocatello. It, was our first, it was our first Easter without any children around they were all <laughs> gone running around their separate ways and so you know they're all out of the house and and so it was just my wife and I and we decided let's take a drive and listen to the conference on the radio or through the internet on on the app and and uh, it was awesome yeah really really enjoyed it that's wonderful. Speaking of awesome, we've got a great speaker or a guest. Yes, I am ex so excited. I'm so excited to introduce Dr. Matt Nielsen. And I've known Dr. Nielsen, what, I guess now at this point, maybe three and a half, four years I've known you. Yep, and right. Yeah, and I, I actually heard him by reputation just because of so many people that he helped in my community when I lived in Las Vegas. There were... Um, just many people who, you know, uh, throughout life, we all experience challenges. And, and I kept hearing about this, this Dr. Nielsen, he would come talk to our youth groups in, in a church setting. I was uh, involved with what's called seminary and he would come and talk to these kids. And I, I didn't really know who he was. And everyone would say, he's so awesome. You got to meet him. And then I had a chance to actually serve with him in a, in a community position through our, through our church. And, and uh, just came to absolutely respect uh, him. He's just a great individual. But more than that, he is a highly competent psychologist and, and leadership expert. And I want to share with you his, his bio. So Dr. Matt Nielsen is a clinical psychologist currently working in private practice in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he just retired from active duty Air Force service this last summer, 2020, after a successful career in both clinical psychology and military leadership. Dr. Nielsen won many awards during his military career in recognition of his exemplary efforts in innovation, leadership, and psychology practice. So to name just a few of these awards, he won the Air Force Psychologist of the Year 
amazing, Air Force Surgeon General Research Award, and the Department of Defense Military Health Service Advancement Towards High Reliability in Healthcare Access to Care Award. Wow, um, Christian, amazing. And you know, he was privileged to have been selected in the top 1% of medical officers to attend a one-year joint and foreign allied force leadership school where he earned a master's degree in military operational art and science. And the highlight of Dr. Nielsen's career was deploying to Iraq with the army and supporting our nation's heroes on the front line of, of battle. Dr. Nielsen is enjoying a more simple life now in civilian private practice and spending more time with his family. And what a great family you have, Dr. Nielsen. I don't know if you know this, but I've actually had the chance to uh, substitute teach uh, your oldest son in seminary. And did he learn how to tie bow tie from you? Uh, no, those are fake bow ties, just little <laughs> clip on bow ties. So. Oh, that's well, he's, he's a great young man, and, and uh, you have just a, an incredible family. You have so much experience in dealing with difficult situations. I, I, I can't imagine a more challenging position of, of being a healthcare provider in a situation with extreme stress, such as in battle. What, what is that like? You know, it's, it's really remarkable what the, uh, the human brain and the human body can go through, you know, how resilient we really can be. Um, you know, you know, to be in Iraq on the front lines with these army guys who had been deployed several times before, you know, I, I would say the majority of them were really walking around as, as uh, mental kind of injuries, but, but performing exceptionally well in that very stressful combat environment. And in fact, a lot of them uh, perform better in combat over there, deployed settings than they do at home. You know, a lot of times they struggle uh, kind of transitioning back home into civilian world kind of stuff that yeah. is somewhat meaningless uh, compared to what they did before. So uh, just a, a wonderful experiences for me just to witness uh, those things and, and to, to help participate in, in their recovery. You know, I, I have a, a very good friend of, of many years um, and we have talked about this. He actually started a foundation called the Purple Heart Families Foundation and, and he himself, uh, a, a Marine, and we do a lot of work in, in uh, you know, communication. And he, he works with a lot of veterans who are transitioning back into the workplace. And you're exactly right. That is a big challenge for many of them. They just don't have that same connection or brotherhood or sisterhood that they had, you know, under those extreme circles. So they a lot of times struggle to find that meaning. And a lot of them retreat into caves, right? Mentally, so to speak. So today we want to talk about some of the challenges that we've been talking about in the last several podcasts. You know, we, we've been talking about grief, we've been talking about stress, we've been talking about anxiety, and local reports here, in, in, we're based in Utah, I know you're in, in Las Vegas, I know we have listeners all around the world, but um, I think, Christian, you know, we had Hadil Penalvert that, that joined us in July, and she works for Laura's House, which is a, uh, a, a nonprofit that helps victims of, of uh, domestic violence or, or, or neglect. And, and I just received a, a found a report here that is a nationwide in the US report in February that comes from the National Commission of COVID-19 and Criminal Justice. And this is a group of uh, judges, law enforcement people, researchers, former uh, attorneys general. And they said that domestic violence is up, Dr. Nielsen, 8.1%. And apparently it makes complete sense. Domestic violence actually thrives as people are isolated. And uh, what are you seeing in this area? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, not only domestic violence, but just mental health mental rates, health. Uh, our people are struggling, you know, more than what they have in years past. Our, our children are uh, failing in school more than they have before. The, I think teen suicide rates are up, um, you know, so, that, so across the mental health or behavioral health board, we're seeing increases in rates of people really struggling. 
Yeah, in, the, in a report here in Utah, they're calling it, uh, it the pandemic within the pandemic. Dr. Nelson, at the outset here, you mentioned that the human body or the human spirit, the you know us as human beings, can be very, very resilient. And I want to ask about that. Uh, it seems to me, in my experience, that some people are naturally more resilient than others, but I could be wrong. I mean, this is just me as an amateur person, just looking at my own experience. But um, I'm curious what your thoughts are about resiliency, particularly in this difficult time that we've been going through, as Spencer mentioned, as domestic violence rates have gone up and people are feeling all the stress and pressure related to the pandemic and other things. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And honestly, uh, resiliency within the, uh, the research world or the psychology world is, is kind of a heated topic and one of a controversial nature uh, because we truly don't know, like we don't know many of the things that happen in the brain and why things happen the way they do. Uh, organizations uh, are spending millions and millions of dollars researching uh, resiliency, trying to understand what is it how do you develop it um, and how do you assess it? You know, obviously I think you're right. Uh, my experience anecdotally is there are more people naturally more resilient than others, um, but we don't know why. You know, if, if we could pick out the people who are more resilient, at least in the military perspective, uh, we would select those people for our most challenging jobs that, that, that we have. Um, Unfortunately, we just, we don't have that data. We, we don't know exactly what it is that, that causes those things, but, but we are spending a lot of time and resources because obviously the more resilient you can be as an organization, the more successful uh, you're gonna be. And it doesn't matter. It's not, not necessarily military, but in athletics, in business, in, in all forms, in sales, you know, in, in all forms of what we do in life, the more resilient people are probably going to thrive more. They're going to be more successful. They're, they're going to be uh, better equipped to manage the challenges that come before them. Yeah, I've found in my experience that there are some people, and in, in the industry that I work in is major events, mostly sport events. And I've been doing another podcast on the Salt Lake 2002 uh, Olympic Games, the Winter Games. And I've had conversations with a number of my colleagues who have said, yeah, the people that do well in this business are the people that can roll with the punches, which may be another very crude way to, to say a person that's resilient, you know, a person that's that can roll with the punches. Where does it come from? It just seems to me like I, I work with some people that are able to do that and some people who really struggle. And I, I don't understand why. You're saying that, well, research is still trying to figure the answer out to that question as well. Yeah, so I mean, if I could give, you know, just a general kind of uh, definition of, of how I, I perceive resiliency or the majority of people would, would receive uh, or understand re resiliency would be, uh, to define it like this would be, um, uh, let's see, I wrote it down. Uh, resiliency is the ability to adapt effectively as things change around you. You know, in, in the Air Force, uh, we had two sayings kind of regarding this. And, and we would say the key to air power is flexibility. Uh, in, in order to win our nation's wars, uh, because war never, never do things go as planned in wartime. And so you have to be flexible. And the other thing we say in the military is the only thing constant is change. And so we, we kind of set this mindset very early in basic training and office, basic officer training that this is what you're getting yourself into. And, and we de develop training exercises and things that uh, will keep you on your toes and always keep things kind of uh, changing so that you can develop this kind of cognitive kind of mindset that you can adapt and change. <laughs> You know, a, a, a few months ago, I was reading a research article, and this was found in the Journal of Contextual Behavioral Science. And they did a meta-analysis where you take hundreds of research articles trying to understand what makes 
a good relationship. And this is uh, not just a marriage, uh, but it includes things like uh, relationships with your children or relationships with friends or even relationships at work. And what they found was that there was one singular characteristic that made for effective relationships. And that was this idea of what's called psychological flexibility. So the more rigid you are in how you think about things is going to make it difficult for you to establish and maintain effective relationships with people across the board. And so if you can develop this idea of psychological flexibility, which is also very uh, akin to resiliency, um, again, you're gonna not just be better successfully in, in what you're doing, but you're gonna have better meaningful relationships with the people around you, or at least the people around you won't be as annoyed uh, with you or, or they'll want to spend maybe more time with you uh, during the process. You know, Dr. Nielsen, one of the things that that, that brings up that psychological flexibility, I, I, I seem to recall that there was some reports, anecdotal or research from the Vietnam War for those uh, that were POWs, I think actual Air Force POWs. And those that seemed to fare better were the ones that didn't think maybe rigidly that they were going to be home by Christmas, so to speak, you know, that idea that they're going to get out of here soon, but they were more able to adapt and be flexible. I don't know if that's maybe more pessimistic or more realistic rather than optimistic, but it seems like that correlates in some ways to this idea of psychological flexibility. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, there's obviously a tricky balance between optimism and pessimism and realism you know, I, I definitely yeah. don't live in a world of uh, black and white. Uh, in my world that I live in, the way that I kind of define my reality is, is almost everything is a gray area. And, uh, and we've, we've got to really stay in there. There's very few things that are very on the opposite sides of the spectrum. It's either all good or all bad. Um, so, so staying in the middle there, being realistic, uh, not, not sort of living in a delusional world that, hey, everything's great, you know, um, isn't very healthy right. for you either. Yeah, you say that you have a way that you can measure resiliency. Is is that something that you do? Yeah, I mean, so what I'd like to do a, a lot of times when uh, when I have clients come in and and they're struggling, uh, and I just we'll call it stress, right? So we're all stressed. Um, I, I I like to go through a very quick assessment just to see where they're at uh, with their stress levels, and and I do this not even just with my uh, clinical clients, but I also do this, um, in different, uh, organizations and meetings that I brief at. So I, I'd actually like to go through it with you if, if you're open to that. And, and I'd actually like Christian and Spencer, if you can, if you've got a, maybe a pencil and a paper, we're, we're going to do a drawing and, and I like to teach with drawings and, and I'll, I'll spell this out verbally. Cause I know a lot of people aren't seeing this on video, but uh, pretty easy, but I would like for you guys to uh, draw a picture, um, of a cup you know, just, just kind of a very uh, general, very basic cup. Doesn't have to be 3D, just a two-dimensional cup. And uh, I want you to, to, in the middle of that cup, I want you to put a squiggly line all the way across the cup. And, and that kind of represents water, right? So if, if, if there is about, you know, your cup was halfway filled with water and, and I want you to label that water, I want you to label it as stress, okay? So, so the water in our cup uh, represents stress in our lives. Um, at the very top of your cup, I want you to draw, you know, just like a little garden hose, a little hose that has water coming constantly out. So, so in our lives, every human being <clears throat> has stress in their lives. Uh, the second we wake up in the morning, our heart rate increases, our adrenaline increases, our blood pressure increases. Stress begins that very instant we open our eyes and start our day. And, uh, and so stress is always coming into our lives. And what I'd like, you know, Christian and Spencer for you to do is, is I want you to actually write down there at the top of your cup where that water's coming out from the hose, what are the top stressors in your life at this moment? You know, and maybe that's some of that is personal and you don't have to share that, you know, with us, with me or the audience. Um, but, but write down a few of those things and, and the audience that's listening to this podcast as well. I'd really like for you to take time and, and really think about those main stressors um, that, that are, are really causing a lot of stress for you or you're spending a lot of time doing it at the present time. 
I, I'd like to hear from, you know, Spencer and Christian from you too, from, from the clients that you're working with, what would you say are the top stressors people are struggling with, you know, in the last several months as, as we're kind of going through COVID and everything else? Yeah. So I'm writing those down. So, um, gosh, there's, there's a, there's certainly a few. So, um, I've, I've got this little look, it's kind of, I don't know if it's a little hose. It looks more like a faucet <laughs> coming out of my cup. And, you, you know, I think some of the things I've been working on, you know, as our family, we have been working on eliminating debt. So the top thing that I put in there was, was financial and that is eliminating, uh, past debts and, and we're having some success, but as a self-employed individual during COVID, I mean, I, we, we saw our revenue severely impacted. Now it's come back very strong, but in the meantime, you know, that, that there's a, there's some latency and, and catch up. So that's number one expectations. I think that for me, expectations are, are a stressor. How I think this is something that, that I have to catch myself on regularly, Dr. Nielsen, and that is expectations of where I think I should be in my business in my life in my relationships. You know, I, there's a, there's this uh, comparison that happens that I have to fight and you can, you can call it, you know, if you get, if I get really honest, something I fought my whole life and that is, um, oh my gosh, what's when you're, uh, uh, um, coveting, right? Gosh, that someone else is coming up on their 35th anniversary and they're going to this resort. And what am I doing? And gosh, I, I wish I could be doing this and that other thing. So sometimes expectations cause me stress in my life and I have to check myself on that. Um, lastly, I put completing my book. I've been working on that way too long. And so for me, that is, uh, those are the top three I listed. Great. Thank you. Christian, what about you? All right. Well, here's my very amateur drawing. I don't know if that's visible to anybody, but there's my cup. And I would say the three items that I wrote down, uh, one is pivot. So I've been in this major event space for a long time and I intend to continue there. But in the pandemic, I found item number two, opportunities in other areas which are interesting, but a bit scary because they're unknown. And this has caused me to spend a lot of time and energy and brain cells trying to go through the possibilities, which leads me to balance, which is my third one. I, I'm finding that I am working more and I am not spending necessarily as much time as I would like with my family. And so I, I'm trying to find a little bit more balance there while at the same time doing what I can to assess these opportunities as I look at potentially pivoting in some other directions as well as staying in the event. So those, those are the big stressors that came to my mind when you asked the question. Great, yeah, and so let me, uh, let me put in a, a few other stressors that I think are common, especially for this uh, population that's listening today. You know, I think that we, a lot of people have stressors just with maybe the hours of work or maybe they don't like their job as much. Uh, maybe they don't get along with their boss or maybe they don't get along with their subordinates or coworkers in general. Maybe there's some toxic culture or leadership uh, there. Uh, a lot of times there's relationship problems, problems in marriages, problems with children uh, who are causing them issues. Uh, you know, there are uh, problems with a lot of these families are doing homeschooling and they're trying to juggle how do I, you know, do my job? How do I become a full-time teacher? You know, all of these things and what you guys talked about are, are creating significant stress uh, for people. And so the next part of this assessment is uh, to look at your cup. And at the very bottom of your cup, I want you to poke or draw three little holes um, or, or three or four, doesn't matter. But I want you to, to poke some holes because when you poke a hole in the bottom of a cup, what that does is allow water to come out, right? So, so, so some of that stress can leave your body. And I want you to take a moment here and I want you to write down the things that you are actively doing uh, in the last week or two to relieve some stress from your life. What are you doing to actively, I know Spencer goes hiking and uh, sometimes some of his hikes are a little bit more dangerous than I would like for him to do, but uh, 
he likes to be out there. <laughs> do that. That's probably a good stress reliever for him. Um, but, but what are some things that you are actively doing right now to relieve that stress? Absolutely. Exercise. Do my best to do that every day, uh, except for, you know, on, on Sunday. And that's another one is, uh, you know, Sunday's a special day. I do my best not to do any work on that day. Um, I check off after like eight o'clock, I, I check down with my wife and we relax. Um, you know, I'm trying to eat healthier right now. I actually, Christian introduced me to Lisa Sams and I've been doing this, this whole evaluation of how, how I exercise and how I eat. And I'm uh, really attempting to, to reduce some, some stress that way. I also meditate and read sacred texts. And um, that for me brings a lot of peace and, uh, and, and calm. And that's something I, I do every day. And I feel like that's a routine that is very, very helpful to me. Awesome. Thanks. Christian? Well, for me, uh, it's interesting that Spencer mentioned Lisa Sams because I was a little later on the Lisa Sams train when it came to this than Spencer was, even though I've known Lisa for a long time. I just got busy and kept putting it off. But a couple of pieces of advice that she's given me over the last week that have been really, really helpful. Number one is to take 10 minute walks after each meal. Just get out and move for 10 minutes. I found that super helpful. Number two, rather than eat my stress, because I do that, I, I, I love food. And if I get stressed, I just keep eating. I just feel like I have to snack all the time. Instead of doing that, if I'm feeling a, a little bit hungry, I actually would just go talk with my wife for a few minutes. And I find that uh, that craving uh, for food goes away. And at the same time, I'm actually engaging with my wife more and having more productive, meaningful conversations throughout the day rather than just after the work hours. I think that's been really, 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 really uh, super helpful. And number three is uh, we do like to go on drives. And so uh, I find when I get on a drive, it's, it's easy. I, I love to be on the road. And, and so we've done that uh, more recently. We've, we've been going on some drives, not super long, but it could be an hour. It could be a couple of hours, or maybe it's half of a day, but I've found that those drives have really, really been helpful. Okay, good. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Dr. Nielsen, let me, let me just tell you what, one thing, sorry. So my son and I went mountain biking for the first time this season, and we hit a trail that had ice on it, and we turned around and did not go through because we didn't want to have any slippage off the trail. So I do, I push it, but we're careful also. <laughs> That's, that's good. I, I, uh, I had a mountain biking accident uh, six months ago and I'm in physical therapy still for my shoulder. So, you know, be careful out oh, there no. for sure. But, um, all right. So, you know, you guys are doing a good job. And, and so most of the majority of my both clinical and non-clinical uh, audiences I present this to will say that when they look at their algorithm, their basic math problem of how much stress is coming into their cup, versus how much stress is leaving their cup, uh, the majority of people will say that they have more stress coming in than leaving. And I don't know if you would say that, but, but what, would, what happens is that as you have more stress coming into your cup, of course, as you look at your cup, you don't have infinite space to hold all that stress. So eventually you're gonna hit the top of your cup and water's gonna start to overflow, right? So on your picture there, I want you to draw some water kind of going over to over your cup. And uh, what happens is from a, from a medical perspective, you know, we, we each have a different kind of resiliency threshold. And, and what I mean by that is that our bodies and our brains just have a certain threshold and we're all a little bit different of how much stress we're able to hold without becoming symptomatic. And so when you think about your times in your life, when you're very overwhelmed and stressed, what are some common symptoms uh, that you have or that uh, the, your clients have that you work with? What are some co common symptoms of stress uh, that you see? You know, I have uh, one of the things I, I didn't answer you on what's showing up for some of my people. I have a, a CEO that had one of his workers that was um, uh, 
having problems with substance abuse. And, and this is something that he needed to address with, with the employee, which was a longtime effective employee and um, also his family and, you know, didn't go well because he, he loves this, this guy and wants to keep him, but he, he's not going to be able to keep him. So for, for him, we just talked about how to, how to handle a difficult conversation and somebody that might not take his coaching well, because he's naturally very much like me, high, uh, he, he gets high dominant he gets frustrated and, and upset very very easily uh that happens to to me as well when i'm frustrated and stressed i become very quick to respond and so i notice that when i'm when i'm responding that way i know that that i need to stop and, and step back because i'll either say something or uh something that i'll regret but that's this, this has just happened in the last couple of weeks with this individual and and we're very much alike. And so I, that's one thing that I notice when I get stressed is uh, just quickness to anger. If you Yeah, will. irritability is, is very common. I mean, obviously, even with your example, substance abuse uh, can be a common symptom of uh, dealing with stress. People often use substances to deal with their stress. I heard Christian say earlier that he likes to eat. So he overeats in times of stress. That's another symptom. I have noticed in some of the people that I've been interacting with over the last year that for some of them, they feel like they've lost hope. You know, mm. what's happened has been for some people, it's been devastating and very, very difficult to climb out of. And they just, they just don't seem to be able to, to gain enough confidence to start to do something. It's really, really hard. They just kind of stuck in in this in this situation where they just feel helpless and hopeless yeah absolutely so we have depression symptoms or people have anxiety symptoms they worry a lot uh they have concentration problems you know all of these things are extremely common uh when people are overwhelmed and stressed once you once you overflow your cup you've reached your resiliency threshold you start having these symptoms. It's, it has nothing to do with you as an individual. It has nothing to do with whether you are strong or weak or what are the, these, these distorted cognitions that we tell ourselves. It's a very, very simple math equation. You will have too much stress coming into your life than you have leaving your life. And so uh, you guys talked about it earlier about this idea of balance right? We, we have to be balanced. Christian put balance as one of his uh, stressors or, or trying to be more balanced. Um, and that's absolutely what we have to do. When you notice within yourself that you start having these symptoms, you're, you're more irritable, you're having concentration problems with the, the project you're working on, you're not sleeping as well, you're, you're, you're feeling down or anxious. I, you, you need to take a pause, you need to stop and say, okay, I'm out of balance you know, clearly I'm kind of beyond my resiliency threshold. I need to become more balanced. I need to increase or become more effective in what I'm doing for my stress management right now so that I can be more effective in what I'm trying to do. And, and so I'd actually like to propose a, a very specific way of doing that. Um, so in the military, you know, somewhere around uh, 10, 15 years ago, in all of these millions of dollars that we've spent on this idea of resiliency, we came up with four pillars of resiliency. And when you're creating stress management ideas or things you can do for stress management, I'd, I'd like for you to categorize them under these four pillars of resiliency. And these four pillars are physical, mental, uh, other than mental, you could do like a slash, it could also be called intellectual. Uh, the third one is social. And the fourth one is spiritual. So there are many, many, many research articles out there that talk about these four pillars of resiliency. And uh, in my clinical practice, in my personal life, it is absolutely true that people are going to have more problems if they do not have actively things going on in their lives where they are working on these four pillars of resiliency. Um, 
So I, I do want to kind of just talk about a, a couple of these and, and give you some ideas of a couple of these things that we can do. And, and the first one is exercise. Bo both of you talked about exercise. I want to talk to you real quick about the clinical research regarding exercise. And so what they say is that if you exercise about four days a week to the point of exertion, so like your heart rate is increasing, maybe you're sweating a little bit, and for about 45 minutes, uh, you are actually releasing very similar neurochemicals in your brain uh, that our anti-depression and our anti-anxiety medications do. It's a very natural way of releasing some of these chemicals that are extremely healthy for you, not, not just with stress management, but also dealing with depression or anxiety or other mental health issues. So if, if it, my number one recommendation always with all of my clients is increase your exercise at least four, four days, 45 minutes at a time to a point of exertion. Now, obviously some people have medical issues. They're not able to run or do some of those things, but you could do other things. You can swim, you can bike, um, you know, you can do some, some non, you know, kind of high impact kind of activities that you can tolerate. Obviously talk to your doctor if you've got some medical issues, but, but you've got to figure out a way to get your heart rate uh, racing a little bit. I find that when I do that exercising, it seems like my all kinds of thoughts, creativity comes to me. I, I listen to, that's when I listen to podcasts. I listen to books on Audible and I just, it, I, I find myself just, having some space that all of a sudden solutions come while I'm doing that. It's really interesting to me. I used to be, I, I used to be, feel guilty about spending this time on exercise. Now I look at it as actually as, as professional and personal development. Yeah. It's, it's an investment in your health. Right? So that's what my friends uh, have said. Interestingly with that comment, Spencer, I mean, my wife also says similar things about exercise for her or getting outside and, uh, going for a brisk walk. She, she calls it her therapy, which actually you can combine more than one of these pillars, right? I mean, you've got this physical thing going on and then Spencer, your mind is going through all these creative things at the same time, which helps you mentally as well, intellectually. Let me move on to the next one. This is another one that I would say, and this is maybe under the mental or intellectual domain. And, and I wish we had time to do cognitive therapy. You know, maybe I'll come back and do, the, do another podcast with you guys. But, you know, Spencer talked a lot about this earlier about expectation management and things. And, and a lot of times people get down and, and Christian talked about this too. You feel helpless and hopeless and you feel like nothing is going right. And so if you're, if you're stuck in one of those spirals and, and you're stuck, and you're struggling to figure out a way to find some light in your life, I would recommend that you do a positivity journal. And what that is, is at the end of every day, you have a journal next to your bed and you write down three things that were good about the day. And uh, they don't have to be significant things. It could be that uh, you laughed at somebody's joke or uh, you, know, you, got, you got a specific project done that day. Um, just, just recognize it because there is even the most significantly depressed people can find at least three positive things that happened in that day. Uh, and, and it can be really powerful for your brain just to realize that not everything is awful, um, that, that you can find something good and positive each day. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And so the next one I will talk about, we'll talk about the social domain. Obviously with COVID, things have been really strained on a social perspective. People are hella working and they're not even having the social contact that they used to at the office. And so they're, they're at home, they're all alone. Um, they're not interacting with their friends or extended, extended family members very much because of lockdowns or whatever, um, or people just don't feel comfortable being out and doing social activities. And, and that has actually caused a lot of problems uh, psychologically for people over the last year or so. And so you have to be creative in the way you're, you're socializing with people you know, find ways to, uh, to get on Zoom or to get on FaceTime or some kind of video chat or even just a telephone call. I would, I would encourage you to do more than just a text message and actually just interact uh, with these people and, uh, you know, talk to coworkers even and, and talk about non-work related things and uh, like you would around the office. Um, try to find ways to connect with your family. Try to find ways to connect with your friends. 
Um, some people really struggle in this social domain, but you, you have to find ways to stay socially connected, whether it's in person or virtually. Um, we need more social connection in our lives in order to remain our resiliency threshold. Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Nelson, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's interesting. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of the other opportunities that Christian has been pursuing is this life stories uh, revered, right? What exactly, what is the name? I'm, I, I forget. Yeah, life stories. It, yeah, that, that's it, Spencer. Life stories revered. <laughs> and what he does is he helps create these podcasts, if you will, or, or, or life stories of families. And so one of the things I did is my mother passed away uh, 36 years ago. And I realized that, you know, I heard, I've always heard all these stories from her four her three surviving brothers. There was four siblings and, but I've lost some of them. And so we decided, to, and, and they're all in Canada, my, my three uncles. And so we decided to, uh, do one of these life stories. And we got my three uncles and, and one of my aunts joined one of, one of them. And, and we just told stories about my mom. And one of the things that really, it was, it was so fun, Christian. I mean, I, I know it was, it was my family, but I, I don't, I think you had, we're having fun too. Oh, but absolutely. The, <laughs> I think the thing that was really interesting is that these one was is almost 90 years old. Another one's 88. Another one is, is late seventies this was the first time they had gotten together since the pandemic. And they're like, this is so much fun. We need to do this again. Didn't they say that something like that, Christian? Yeah, they did. And, and uh, it's fun to get people to in, in this crazy pandemic on zoom calls <laughs> who sometimes they don't even know how to use computers, but you get them on, on these zoom calls and they start swapping stories and it's a, it's a huge amount of fun. And it's just so healthy and, and healing. And you're, you're focusing on a time that was, you know, uh, just life. We, we always seem to think of, you know, the past is, is more positive. And so these great stories come out. And it's just very healing and, and very emotional, too. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah, that's a great example. I, I love that a lot. And it's meaningful. And uh, it really feels helps people have a sense of belongingness. Uh, which is really important for people's uh, psychology. You know, one thing that I forgot to mention uh, under the mental or intellectual uh, domain is a lot of people are, are sometimes really bored. Uh, they're just kind of going through a routine and they're not really intellectually or cognitively engaged. And so I really encourage you to find a project to work on that, that really takes mental capacity or learn something new, find a hobby uh, you know, study astronomy or study something that, that you're really kind of passionate about or interested in, or you think you might be interested in, and uh, really research it and really spend time trying to understand something that the, the idea of getting your brain engaged in something new uh, that, that, that you really have to focus on and, and spend time engaged in uh, can be really good for you on a psychological or resiliency perspective. So uh, consider that. And then the last domain here is spiritual. It doesn't matter if you are religious or not religious. Um, uh, almost most people in the world have some sort of higher power um, or some kind of thing that is bigger than themselves. And whether that's your community or whether that is something, you know, uh, of a like a God nature or an energy or whatever it is that um, that that you believe in, uh, we really want you to engage in that. Um, and not just passively engaged, but be actively engaged in your spiritual beliefs, you know, and, and, and we, we have noticed uh, in research and in the military that, that as we actively engage in all of these things, uh, people become more resilient. Uh, they're, they're more able to be flexible. They're more able to deal with the things that come before them. And uh, there's th those symptoms, the, the stress issues, the sleep problems, the concentration issues, uh, the overeating, it just naturally goes away uh, because people are just more, more resilient. Well, you know, I just, I, I love these, these ideas and, and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you were able to share them. And I would absolutely love to have you come and talk about cognitive you know, therapy, how we can, how we can reframe some of the challenging thoughts and, you know, situations that we have.
Yeah, I would love to do it. I mean, obviously, you know, co co cognitive or the way you, your brain operates is, is a huge uh, impact. I mean, we talked a lot about behavioral things today and, and we usually start behaviorally because it's the easiest. Uh, getting in there and restructuring the way your brain thinks about different things is, is a bit more labor intensive um, and takes takes actually more effort and it's more technical, but uh, this is a great starting point. And I think that if if your uh, clients and the people listening to the podcast just do these very simple things and, and look at their cup of life and their stress and their in, in what's going on and, and actually implement some of these four pillars of resiliency, I think within a week or two, you're going to start feeling a lot better. All right. Well, I've got two questions. Well, actually, it's a comment and a question. Number one, the comment on the flexibility. I like the, the notion of flexibility because while some people are naturally more flexible than others, flexibility can be learned. And I'm talking about physical flexibility. I think about my daughter who, who grew up as a dancer and on drill team in high school and things like that. They spent a lot of time on flexibility and making sure that they could do moves and they have this flexibility. And, and she was not a super flexible person to start out with when she started out dancing. But then as she continued to stretch and stretch, her flexibility grew, her capabilities to be more flexible grew. And so I think it gives hope for everybody. You know, you can say, well, I'm just not a very flexible person, but it sounds to me like there are some elements of this that can be learned. Uh, <clears throat> the next one is kind of a question. And it goes to the cup analogy, and I might be misreading things or making it overly complicated, as I am wont to do at times. So if, I, <laughs> if I've totally missed the mark here, just go ahead and say so. But it seems to me that there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of variables in this cup analogy, which I love this cup analogy by the way. I think it's awesome. You have the hose and the size of the inputs that create stress, which could potentially be controlled by reducing the flow incoming. Then you have the holes, which you can work on through flexibility to increase the size of those holes and let more stress out of your life. And then you have the size of this cup itself and the threshold. So I'm curious in your experience, and again, I might be stretching this analogy way too far. Uh, What's, what are the, is it more effective to try to decrease the size of the hose of the stressors coming in? Is it more effective to try to address the size of the outgoing holes so more is coming out? Is it more effective to try to increase the threshold or is it all just kind of jumbled together? Yeah, I, I, I neglected to talk a little bit about this and I'm glad you brought it up. So it really depends on the stressors coming into your life. Some of them are completely out of your control, like health issues. Um, now, some health issues you can obviously provide treatment for and help reduce the impact, uh, but, but some of these issues you, you don't control. You don't get to control uh, your very annoying boss that you have, um, you know, in some of these things. And, and those are very difficult situations. So it depends on the stressor. I, I would absolutely say that people should reprioritize their life. Where are you spending a lot of time on and you really need to be spending that much time doing those kinds of activities. You know, if, if you can control some of those things, then great. Uh, the problem is, is that a lot of our stressors that we have uh, are out of our control. And, and the other thing that I'll say at the very bottom where, where we have these holes that are coming out, our stress relieving activities, you know, one of the main stressors that everybody has is this idea of time. Uh, time is not flexible. It's finite. You only have a certain amount of it. And people will say, I don't have time to do things in these four pillars of resiliency. I just don't have time for it. And so what you should try to do is you should try to combine activities as much as you can. Get your social time by going and exercising with a friend. Uh, get your social time by doing something spiritual with a friend. You know, you can combine, especially that social pillar with people around you. Don't do them isolated. Uh, as much as you can, go and be social doing these other activities so you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Hey, well, we have just absolutely loved having you. I, I have, is that, I see some great knickknacks behind you, but one I'm interested in is, is that like a B24 Liberator or a B25 Mitchell? What is that behind you? Yeah, so that is a, um, God, you think I should know because I'm in the Air Force, but that is a Doolittle Raider. So, um, 
I do. So I was a B24. Yeah. So I met the last surviving Doolittle Raider. Uh, he died a couple years ago, but when I was at that leadership school for a year uh, with the military, he came and spoke to us and uh, he told us his story about, uh, you know, flying off an aircraft carrier and, and crashing in China because they ran out of gas, you know, after they bombed Japan. And uh, what an inspirational story of uh, courage and uh, resiliency. And uh, it, was, it was a big honor for me to meet him. So that's a picture. He signed that picture for me. And uh, it was a really cool experience. That is so cool. I, I mean, I love that, that experience that you had, but I also love that. So I, I love studying about situations like that. And, and uh, my, my uncle, one of, the, one of the ones that was on the call with you, Christian, used to firebomb up in Northwest Territories with B-25 Mitchells uh, in, you know, for all forest fires. And so he took all these old World War II planes and and uh, those, I think those were the same ones that they flew off the, uh, the carriers, which was an amazing story. Anyway, so anyway, I am thrilled that you were able to come with us, Christian. I, I turn it to you to wrap us up. Well, I have to say this has been uh, absolutely, for me, revelatory. I've taken a lot of notes during our conversation. It's been super helpful. Uh, Dr. Nielsen, if people want to learn more about the work that you do and how you could potentially help them, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for people to email me. My uh, email address is M as in Matt, underscore B is in boy, and then my last name, Nielsen, N-I-E-L-S-E-N at yahoo.com. All right, fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Nielsen. And Spencer, if people want to learn more about LTM leadership and how you might be able to help them, how do they connect with you? Go to our website, Altium Leadership. That, that's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com. And Christian, how can people learn about the good work that you do? All right. Well, thank you, Spencer. And just to clarify for our listeners, it's Spencer at altiumleadership.com or go to his website, altiumleadership.com. And folks, you can reach me on LinkedIn, Christian Napier, or you can go to my website, gp4.com. That's gpfour.com. Dr. Nielsen and Spencer, it was a pleasure to learn from you today. I really appreciate you donating your time and, and uh, sharing all of your insights and experiences with us. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Spencer and Dr. Nielsen. Thank you.